For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Romans 8, 3-4 Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Austin. And I'm Alicia. And we are the Darrows. This is the Darrows podcast where we help families navigate scripture to live godly lives by discussing all things family and faith unfiltered. In this episode, we talked about Jesus as our substitutionary atonement. All right, all right. So, first and not foremost. (laughs) Definitely not foremost. (laughs) We will talk about what we are actually drinking. We haven't done that in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, What are we drinking today, sweetheart? So tonight, my lovely husband made us a little cocktail. It's inspired by an old fashioned. We're missing a few elements, so that's why I say inspired by. But um, the base is Ochtenshan. I hope I, I definitely didn't say that right. Yeah, don't even Ajit hope it's okay. Tenshan. I don't know. Single malt Scott whiskey. It is triple distilled. It is made in American oak. Um, this is our second time tasting it. First bottle we've ever bought. Um, it's pretty good. It's was cheap. It's like 40 bucks. Um, it says it has vanilla and coconut with clean citrus zest, and it is from a first fill bourbon cask. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, the whiskey by itself is your typical. It's an Isla, isn't it? No? No, I don't think so. Oh, just a single malt. No, I was thinking about a different one. Um, it's got your typical uh, scotch. Like, I think scotch has got a bit of a, dare I say, medicinal flavor to it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a bit of a, there's a bit of this like, like, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> For some reason, my my mind thinks of the word acetone, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I hope you've never tasted acetone. No, I have not. But it's got a, it's got a medicinal type of thing. And a lot of people don't like it because of that reason. Um, but I actually really enjoy it. And then um, you get a lot of the oak flavor in there. Um it, it, it reminds you of a bourbon if you're a bourbon person, especially because a lot of Scotch whiskeys are actually uh, done in bourbon, ex-bourbon barrels, because, yeah, there's a lot to do with that that we won't get into today. But um, it's good. And then we also did, um, it's bourbon, in, or sorry, it's uh, old-fashioned inspired, but we generally have all the ingredients besides club soda and without the tools to do so. And <laughs> yeah. Like big and ice didn't cubes. Have like sugar cubes. Yeah, so yeah. Sugar we didn't. We couldn't do it perfectly. Yeah, we used coconut sugar, but we did actually like torch the orange peel, which is actually a mandarin, not orange. So, yeah. Thanks to um, our grocery store not sending me what I wanted. Welcome to delivery. Is what happens. But I like that you torched the um, the orange peel because. When you drink it, you kind of smell the smokiness, and I feel like it kind of elevates the oaky flavor, Yeah, and it just tastes really good like that, so I liked yeah, it. for sure. So if you need to make yourself a nice old-fashioned, if you're into that, just we're a testament. You can just use whatever you got, as long as you got some kind of sugar, some kind of uh, bitters, and some kind of orange, like 
peel of some kind that you can just zest away. Yeah. So how was your weekend? Weekend was really good. Um, this is one of the, I think this is one of the, a highlight weekend for me just because. Yeah, me too. We, so the, this weekend was, I think the first real weekend that we um, have started practicing, you know, intentionally practicing Sabbath, um, which we will talk about soon, but there's a lot that we want to do on the research side about Sabbath and understanding it better so that before we speak on it, but it was great. It was nice to just have a day to just relax and just spend time together. We got to spend time with, um, our niece and nephew for a little bit. Uh, but I mean, we have them all week long too, so it's not like we're missing out on time, but, um, that in church and it's just, it was, it was good. I, 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 th- I think, um, I think the ending of the night was great for me just because of the fact that, I mean, we, we went and had a cigar, we had some, something to drink. We sat and talked for hours like we used to do all the time. And, um, yeah, my sister was nice enough to keep August for us. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't smoke cigars with August around. Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) We never do. (laughs) We went, um, without her and, uh, it was great. It was just a good time for us to just talk about some important topics and things like that. So what about you? How was your weekend? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it was a highlight weekend for me as well. Actually practicing the Sabbath, I think even coming into today and I feel like it's going to set up the rest of my week to have had that moment of rest. And, um, I liked actually just taking time to play games with the kids and just let them know like, Hey, this is our day to relax. You don't have chores today. Take your time hang out and I think they enjoyed it too. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's actually harder than I expected even coming from me, someone who doesn't really like to clean. But, um, one of the aspects of Sabbath for us was just that it was, um, I mean, we're not doing dishes really like outside of like the very basics of just like letting, letting them soak, (laughs) (laughs) but using as little dishes as possible. So we don't have to clean a lot of dishes, but like doing our best to really just not do a whole lot. Um, and it's great. Yeah. The games were a lot of fun. Um, and we also got Mancala, um, which if y'all don't know what that game is, then you need to go back to school. (laughs) Uh, it's a great game and it's very relaxing. So yes. And you can actually beat me at it. Yeah. But it's also like, even if I don't (laughs) beat you, I don't feel bad. I don't feel like a failure. Yeah. Like some of the games that we play <laughs> when you beat me. Because uh, if you don't know Alicia, she is an amazing just board game player, card game player. I mean, if it's a game, if strategy. it's a game, yeah, stra- if it's a game, even beyond strategy games, but like if it's a game that's physical, you generally win. I beat you yeah, at video like not games. Video games. <laughs> <laughs> I'll beat you at video games. Yeah, for um, sure. Specifically like Smash. And, yes, you destroy me at Smash. Yeah. So, um, but awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the content today, which is, uh, it is good. Um, it's something I've wanted to talk about for a while, or, or at least it's been on my mind. Um, and I think it's super important to this entire aspect of freedom. But, um, last week we talked about how the law of Christ has freed us from the bondage to the old covenant law and how Christ has simplified the law to first love God, but then love people. In this new law, the wages of our sin is still death and a sacrifice had to be made for our sin for us to live in the freedom that Christ offers 
um, and to have a high priest in him, as we talked about um, two episodes ago. This brings us to the conversation today, which is on the substitutionary atonement. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> I, need, I need a little buzzer thing. I think you have one. Do I? Oh, let's see. Is it? Which one is it? That's good, right? Cool. What is substitutionary atonement, babe? The Gospel Coalition defines the substitutionary atonement as Jesus Christ took the full punishment that we deserved for our sins as a substitute in our place. Now, that definition is very simple, but in the next few points, we are going to break that down more and really tell you what that actually looks like. And so, why do we need substitutionary atonement? Remember that you were at the time at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. We are alienated from God, separated eternally through our sin, starting back all the way back with Adam and Eve, we were without any hope and without God in this world um, and in our world, especially when it comes to the Gentiles, which we described in a previous episode that are those who are not of Jewish descent. Uh, we Gentiles, uh, me included, um, and as far as we know, Alicia included as well, like yeah. where we would be considered a Gentile, um, did not have the promises of the covenant. We were not able to know God at all. Um, in that old covenant, Christ's substitutionary atonement made it possible for all mankind to be saved, not just the Jews. We also see in scripture that we are unable to please God because of our sin. Romans 8, 7 and 8 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Because of this, God didn't come into the world just to live a perfect life as an example of godliness and holiness, which he was, but to ultimately die on the cross to pay the cost of sin on our behalf. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now, why does sin separate us from God? Well, ultimately, sin separates us from God because God is holy. And 1 Peter 1.16 says, Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And Psalm 5.4 says, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. Because he is holy, he requires holiness from us. Yet we are not holy. And Romans three eleven and 12 explains this really well. It says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good not even one, not one person. Like some people might say, oh, that's not really applying to everyone. This does apply to everyone. Nobody on their own is holy. No one does good. No one is righteous. And God being holy 
and just means that unholiness and sin must be atoned for. There is a punishment for that and it has to be, that cost has to be paid. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, since God is holy and we are not, we are ultimately left separated from God. Isaiah 59, 1-2 through 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. I want to say something quickly in this too. It's just like when it, when we're looking at verses like Isaiah um, or passages like Isaiah, I think it's just so, I don't know, just every time I read Isaiah or any of the prophets, especially in reference to Christ, um, it's just it kind of blows my mind too. Like when you look at this, like back then, obviously they were waiting for the coming Messiah, but what we know now versus what they knew then, like it completely changes how we look at these scriptures and how, um, one, how we can see the grace in it. Um, and then specifically with this in really a lot of the old Testament, like I can't even imagine living in the old Testament, right? Like uh, or living in those times. Um, one as a Gentile, obviously I wouldn't have been a part of that, but even as a, even if I was a Jew, like it's, I mean, it was not easy. I mean, you, you had so many things that we've talked about before where you, they had to follow, but then at the end of it all, no matter what you did, um, no matter how hard you try, you were never able to be like one with God, one in, in a connection with God in that way, uh, fully. Um, but the fact that now we're able to have that in Christ is it's mind boggling and it, it blows my mind. I, I think of, um, I think of even just when it comes to, um, you know, holiness and, and, and glory and, and, and things like that. It's like, you look at Moses, um, who he's one of the only, uh, people recorded in history who ever saw God in some capacity, right? So like he got to see the backside of God and he had to actually cover his face when he came down from the mountain um, to his people. Otherwise they would have been killed pretty much instantly um, because of even the the shined glory on him. Um, and so it's just, it's just a reminder um, of how far we are and how separate we really are from God. Yeah. And so what state does this separation leave us in? When we understand the character of God, when we grasp something of his holiness, then we begin to understand the radical character of our sin and hopelessness. Helpless sinners can survive only by grace. Our strength is futile in itself. We are spiritually impotent with the assistance of a merciful God. R.C. Sproul from his book, The Holiness of God. The separation leaves us helpless without the saving grace of Christ. Romans 3 verse 20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin, which that's just so crazy. Like, it, 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 blow, it again, it, it goes back to this idea that like, 
when we're, you know, in the times of following the law, like all the law would do would just show you how far from the law you are (laughs) or how far you are from the glory and holiness of God. Like there was no way for us to be holy like God is holy, like we see in the New Testament, like, you know, be holy as I am holy. Like there's no, there was no way that that was actually going to happen when literally we're having, you know, we're living in this sin and, and there's no way out of it. Um, and so this kind of goes back to, you know, we're completely dead in our sin. We live life serving ourselves and doing things that are unholy. Um, and we still do a, a lot of things that are unholy. Um, Ephesians 2 uh, verses 1 to 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walked in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This separation from God leaves us helpless and stuck in a state of continual sin without Christ paying the penalty for our sin and reconciling us to God. We are blind to our sin and continue on a path of wickedness without Christ transforming our heart. How does Christ substitutionary atonement set us free? Yeah. So first John four ten says in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus became the propitiation for our sin. And what that means is he appeased God's wrath toward our sin. He made atonement for us. And Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this atonement was a display of God's grace and mercy. And while we were utterly helpless, dead in sin, and stuck in our old ways, like Austin just talked about and stuck in the ways of just following the world, Christ showed us love and grace. And now we have been made alive in him. And when we die, we will sit with him in the heavenly places rather than suffering from the eternal death and hell. And Romans 6, 6 through 7 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. And, you know, how does Christ's substitutionary atonement set us free? He frees us from sin. We are no longer enslaved to this continual pattern of displeasing God. We are made righteous and we are being continually made righteous as a spirit is in us. And like 
Austin said briefly a minute ago, you know, as Christians, we still sin, right? And so even though we're made, we are free from sin and we're, and we're no longer enslaved to have this continual pattern of displeasing God, like there are times where we're still going to sin knowingly and, and unknowingly. And that's because now there is this battle within us, our flesh versus the spirit within us that sometimes we give into our flesh and, and then the spirit convicts us and we feel that. And Christ has given that to us. Like without Christ, we wouldn't even have the spirit's conviction. We would just keep living on in sin and never even noticing it because there is no conviction there. And so don't, don't think like, oh, wow, I'm sinning then, or I have, I'm struggling with sin. Then I must not be having Christ's substitutionary atonement for me. No, that's not true. You know, we will still sin until we are in glory with Christ. But the point is, is he has set us free from that sin. And so we have the spirit that helps us to be continually made righteous. And so as we move closer to God, we will continue to grow in righteousness. And so because of Christ's substitutionary atonement, what are we free to do? Well, um, kind of even just to kind of to answer it by also going back to what yeah. you said, like, um, what are we free to do? We're not free to sin. That's as true. crazy as yeah. it is to say that, like, we're not free to sin. And it's, and what I mean is that we, you know, it's, you know, Paul talks about, uh, you know, are we free to continue in sin? By no means. Like we are not free to continue in sin, but what we are free to do is to live in righteousness, um, which it, it's, Living in righteousness, it, it can come across, especially to a new believer in my mind, like like living, you know, you're free to live in righteousness. You're free to be in right. You're free to be righteous. It's like, it, it's a weird, it's a weird phrase, yeah, it is. but it's, but it's, but when you understand what righteousness really is and what that means for us as a believer and what that means for our life and for, you know, our eternal life, it's like, man, I want to be righteous. I want to be righteous before God. And when we're Christians, when we're, when we're saved by, um, by grace, um, and we have that heart changed, like we desire righteousness. We desire to be righteous as God is righteous as Christ is righteous. So, um, Romans six, verses 12 and verse 14, uh, starting at verse 12, it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. But now that you have been set free from sin, or sorry, this is Romans 6, verses uh, 22 to 23. It says, uh, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit of your, uh, the fruit, wow, where the fruit (laughs) you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, without Christ, we are unable to be righteous. Not simply that we didn't want to be, which honestly, without Christ, why would you really want to be righteous? I mean, at least in the sense of like God, like, I mean, if righteousness means these things yeah, that you have to follow, like is right standing with God. And so if you're not, you know, if you're not following God, why would you want to be righteous yeah. with him? But so. like, but we literally 
couldn't like because of the weight of our sin. And we, and like I talked about before, when it comes to um, the law and in, in living under the law, it's like, because of the weight of our sin, we were unable to be righteous, like by any of our own volition, by no, no way were we able to be righteous. Um, no matter how long we could have lived tens, tens of lives um, and still never reached righteousness because at the end of the day, it's in our nature, our very nature, our very being is sinful. Um, we are made of flesh and it takes that heart change um, to, to be made righteous. So now, now that Christ had suffered the wrath of God, we are made righteous in him. It's, it's through that wrath that God had to, had to disperse. He had to get, you know, he had to give wrath to be a just and good God. Um, wrath was due to the sin, to, to disobeying God. Um, but instead of that being targeted at us, um, Christ comes into the picture, dies on the cross and says, Lord, put, you know, put it on me. Like, let me, let me die for my people. Let me take on the punishment of sin for, for my people. Um, cause ultimately the only way that we would be able to, uh, you know, quote unquote, repay God, um, would be to suffer, um, in hell to suffer, um, death. Uh, because like we said, the wages of sin is death. And so um, it, the only way that it could be paid is through death. And that death was taken care of through Christ um, for our lives. We are also free to have peace with God and access to him. We can be in relationship with him um, as sin no longer separates us. Uh, Romans 5 verses 1 and 2 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We are able to also love God and love people like we spoke about in the last episode as the law of Christ. First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. And it's, this is, so powerful. It's like, it's even in the, in that, in that verse, uh, verse two of, of Romans five, like we rejoice and hope in the glory of God. It's like, this is our righteous and glorious hope that man, we were not only, um, not only did Jesus die on the cross, not only did Jesus live perfectly to give us as an example of what it, what it means to live righteously, but then he opens his hands and says, here, like he imputes his righteousness upon us through his death. Um, and we're able to live righteously. Um, and I just think that's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I think what you said right there, that he imputes his righteousness upon us is an important part of what the substitutionary atonement is. It's not just that he took on our, took on our sin and paid the price for it, but it is that also he has given us his righteousness. Yeah. And um and now because we have Christ, because he died and he rose again for our sins and then sent the Holy Spirit to be within us, when God looks at us, he sees his son. He sees the righteousness of Christ within us as we have faith in Christ and believe in his death and his resurrection and what he has done for us. And so I think that's a really important part of the substitutionary atonement um, that's important to understand and important to 
to not just understand, but to really grasp and, you know, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God there. Like rejoice at the grace that God has given us. Like we, Austin and I both love to study and you might be able to tell in these past couple of episodes and how in depth we're studying these things. And, but if we just study them and have this knowledge and never worship God because of it, then it's, it's in vain. It's, it's purposeless. Become Pharisees. Yeah. And so as we're teaching on these things and as you guys as listeners are hearing these things, like don't forget to, to really digest this and take a moment, read these scriptures for yourselves. Like imagine yourself without Christ, without all of this stuff that he has given us and then rejoice in the hope that we have. Praise God for the fact that Jesus is our substitutionary atonement. Praise God that we have the salvation. Praise God that we have this access. Praise God that we can now live in this righteousness. And and as we do practice living in righteousness, kind of like we talked about last week, as we do practice loving God and loving people, like don't forget to stop and worship and to stop and honor God and and praise him for the hope that he's given us every step of the way. It's good. Yeah, and so just to wrap this all up about the substitutionary atonement, you know, we also see how this really plays out in our lives as husband and wife and also as parents. I mean, our daughter is only five months and um, some people might say, you don't know what it's like to be parents, but, you know, she is our daughter and we do look at her and look at her future and try to set our lives so that she loves and knows God. And we also have our niece and nephew with us and they're obviously not our kids, but we also want the best for them too. And so we are also looking at them and seeing how do we apply what we're learning also to their lives. And so, you know, we see this playing out as, you know, we're free to love each other in our marriage and we're free to have grace, not only because of the grace that has been given to us individually, like, but also the grace that's given to Austin and and the grace that's given to August and the grace that's given to my niece and nephew, like I am able to love him more in light of the fact that God has given him grace. God has paid this price for him. Like his life is worthy to Christ. Therefore I should honor him and love him. And that's the same thing for August in our family. And, um, and, and, and as I look at myself and say, God has given me this grace despite my sin, despite my, um, rebellion. And because of that, I should then show love also. And, um, God has forgiven me and has forgiven him of his sin and has given us eternal life. So much more should I not only forgive but also love. And if the wrath of God can be satisfied through the death and resurrection of Christ, then I have no excuse to not love my spouse or my child or my brothers and sisters or my niece and nephew, my my family, the, the body of Christ that surrounds me. And I just want to make, um, I just feel like I, I need to make something kind of clear as far as like, it, it's just something I want to say in general. It's just that, um, 
when it comes to our family, like when it comes to you, um, myself even, and August, it's like, I think there's a, I think there is a difference because some people, so there are a lot of people in our world will love other people because the way they see it is they're, um, they're deserving of love because of some, essentially it, that it's in them that like within them, they have worth that is worthy of love is worthy of, uh, of, you know, their desires being fulfilled. Like, so my point is, do you mean like the other person? Like, so if you're loving someone else, like outside your family, you're loving them because that person has worth. Yeah. Essentially, um, that there's this, um, there's this, this worth that we're born with. And that's why a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, you know, even in the, um, the, you know, um, like even in things like Black Lives Matter and other movements like it, like, and I'm not speaking out against them specifically in this instance. I'm just saying that like a lot of these things come from, you know, it's, we're loving people because they deserve to be loved. Um, but I think we're missing the fact that, you know, a lot of our worth comes in, if it, if not all of our worth comes from Christ, um, comes one, the simple fact of us being image bearers of God, like that's something I think is really important, but also like in this circumstance of me loving you and loving August, like I I do that because your worth is found in Christ. Your worth is found in his death. Like you were made righteous by his grace, by his blood, you were made righteous um, and you were saved and you had grace and you have love. Um, and it's through that and it's because of that that I can love you. And because of that on me, I can now love you um, the way that you should be loved because of that. Um, and so I guess my point is that um, I, I want to be mindful of the fact that it's all because of God. It's all because of Christ. It's it's not that like we are not deserving of anything um, outside of the the pure and utter wrath of God in our lives. There's nothing that in us, nothing we can do that deserves grace, nothing that deserves love, nothing that deserves any of these things. It's not by, that's it's not by our own worth, but it's by the worth of God and by his grace alone that we have these things. And in reality, it's like man, like all all have fallen short yeah. of the glory of God and in all have sinned. All, all are were are on or were on the trajectory to hell, um, heading straight to hell with every action and every word they say. They are heading. No matter what good things could come of it, it all was considered fil- works were filthy rags to God. And so my point is that it is the grace of Christ on the cross that gives us our worth, you know, it gives us that like, like we're going to get to heaven. And, and, and if you believe by any means that you're getting to heaven because you deserve to go to heaven or that you did, that there's some, something in you that deserves salvation, that deserves, you know, to be a part of it. Right. Then I, I, I encourage you to read scripture because scripture is very blunt and, and open about the fact that it is not by our own 
yeah, volition. I mean, it's just what we, you just restated it and we just mentioned it in Romans exactly, 3, yeah. like no one is righteous. No, not one. Exactly. No one does good. Like even if you think you're doing good, usually those things are still done out of selfish motives, even if you don't realize it. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. And I just want to kind of be like clarifying and just, I guess, expound on too. It's like what you were just talking about, like, Yes, we love people because Christ has saved them. Unfortunately, not everyone is saved by Christ yet, right? Because they may not believe in him. They may not believe in what he has called us to believe, and they don't have faith, so they are not saved. That does not mean we love them any less. That's true. You know, like... They're still created in the image of God. They're still people that God has put on this earth for a purpose. And we are still called to love them. And the only way we're able to do that is because of our grace. Through yeah. God, and that's exactly what I was just yeah. about to say. Like we just talked about in first John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. And the only way that we're able to truly love Christian or non-Christian believer or non-believer is because Christ has loved us and showed us that grace. And so we should continue to show grace to people, to show mercy to people, to love them, to be open-hearted. And loving is also being honest. You know, don't don't mistake us for saying you just have to accept everybody for where they are. That's That's not loving. You know, just imagine if your parents just never taught you how to do things the right way. Like they just accepted you as a toddler, didn't let you learn how to walk and didn't like teach you, oh, touching the stove is hot or like teaching you things that like, that's wrong. If you never learned that, imagine where you'd be today. And so loving someone is not just acceptance. There is truth in love, but there is truth in love. So be loving and gracious when you're sharing that truth as well. For sure. And to finish out, um, and to help summarize everything um, that we've talked about today, uh, substitutionary atonement is that Christ took on himself the full wrath of God in order to pay the price for our sins in our place. God is holy and we are not. And only through Christ being our propitiation, we are made holy and righteous in God's sight, which is so beautiful. And as we accept this truth, we are made free to be righteous, to have peace with God, to be loved, and to show love. We can only speak, again, like we say every week, but it's important. We can only speak on these things because of the grace of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. We are not perfect in ourselves, but we are made new creations through him, and this is how we are able to live out his calling on our lives. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about this episode, check out our show notes or our website, wearethedarrows.com. And if you like what you heard, click to subscribe and follow our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you would like to support us, consider buying us a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram at wearethedarrows for updates and encouragement. 
If you have any questions you want us to answer or topics you want us to talk about, please leave us a voicemail or a text message at 407-476-3434. That'll be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Darrow's podcast. Catch you in the next episode. See ya.